Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. With the Super Bowl in the books, I wanted to let you know about all of our coverage across the site. We have Kevin Clark, Robert Mays, Roger Sherman, and more breaking down every aspect of the game, including winners and losers, key plays from the game, and the halftime show performance. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel where Kevin Clark talked to Amari Cooper on Slow News Day, and Roger Sherman chatted with players from each team for their thoughts leading up to the game. Be sure to watch and subscribe to our channel on youtube.com slash The Ringer. Welcome to Ringer FC. This is Donnie Kwok, and with me as always, Micah Peters. What's going down? Happy Lunar New Year, Micah. Thank you. I, it's, I have only recently started calling it uh, Lunar New Year because I was only recently told that that's the thing that you're supposed to say. You can still say Happy Chinese New Year. It's all good. Anyway, it's the year of the pig, 2019. I assembled a list of famous footballing pigs. Robin Van Persie. Ricardo Caresma, Ryan O'Hanlon's favorite. Danny Alves, Hector Bellerin, Luke Shaw, your favorite. Joshua Kimmich, and Anthony Marshall, who just signed a contract extension with Manchester United. Marshall FC. That's what I think of that. It's it's a pretty good group, right? I mean, of course, you could take any Chinese Zodiac sign and probably make a decent 11. Yeah, I mean, like this is a really good five-a-side team with one good sub and Luke Shaw. (laughs) I found out today given that you were born in 1991, that you are a goat. I am a snake. Wow, wow, wow. We're not, com- we're not compatible. The nicest thing that you've ever said. Like, every, every, somebody is, are, are you, is anybody keeping track? Like, somebody right there. I'm not, I want a clip of that, actually. What, Micah, you are a goat. Well, not no, the goat. A, you, I don't know. That's not the way that I heard it. <laughs> and I am a snake. Wow, appropriate. Clip that one as well. Anyway, on today's episode, we're going to discuss the Premier League as always, talk about the hottest American player in Europe, who might that be, and later on, we'll welcome a guest to preview next week's Champions League fixtures. The Champions League is finally back. But first of all, Micah, much of the talk on the ringer this weekend in the sports world in general was how boring the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl was. You found it boring, right? I mean, like, yeah, obviously. (laughs) And I'm so glad that we got to watch the Pats and the Rams play against each other instead of, you know, Pat Mahomes. And, uh, like, it was so much better to see Tom Brady and and Jared Goff duke it out in a a defensive masterclass. Hell yeah, it says betterness creeping in. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) So here's what it got me thinking when I was watching the end of the game. It was like the last few minutes and Tony Romo and Jim Nance were going over the nuances of some like uh, offensive penalty, whether or not they should decline it and how that would affect the downs and all this bullshit. And it just kept the camera just kept going from McVeigh to Belichick to a ref. I couldn't have been more fucking bored. I mean, like, I was it thinking, was definitely the the sensation of like watching a, a, a late career Floyd Mayweather boxing match. Like you have to know about what football in order to enjoy it. Yeah, and it's just like... Well, see, this is what it got me thinking because everybody always says, or people that don't like soccer say soccer is boring. Would you rather watch a boring American football game or a boring soccer match? Boring soccer match. Because a boring... Okay, so, for example, the first thing that 
came to mind was the 2010 World Cup final, which ended, of course, excitingly, uh, you know, with Iniesta scoring the game winner in extra time. But the game itself was boring as fuck. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I like. I think that I there are. I am not at the the level of I guess American football acuity so, that like would allow me to enjoy a game in which there's only sixteen total points scored. Right. Uh, but like, I have an appreciation for soccer that like because I can appreciate the fact that there are you know there are scoreless draws and then there are scoreless draws. Right. 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 I mean, I guess the one thing the Super Bowl had going for it was that it was close at the end. So the outcome was still relatively in doubt. It's just that American football, when it's boring, it's just exacerbated by all the stoppages in play and all the stuff that's not actually gameplay. And that was what really stuck out to me watching the Super Bowl. Like, damn, American football can be really fucking boring. <laughs> anyway, speaking of boring, well, actually, we should also mention that Harry Kane the great Tottenham striker was at the Super Bowl, very noted, predictably wearing a Tom Brady noted jersey. Noted Tom Brady fan, Harry Kane. Um, just, <laughs> he was just on IG Live. like a grade schooler. He was on IG Live in Atlanta just saying, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Every 10 seconds, it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> he uh, took photos with Brady and with Edelman after the game. Do you think Brady and Edelman knew who he was without one of their handlers telling them that's Harry Kane I mean, from the Premier League? I'm, I'm sure that they are tapped in enough to their branding to, to, to have known, I guess, that, like, I don't know. Probably not. They probably needed somebody to tell them. Do you think Harry Kane going for the Patriots was kind of like a subtle or sly anti-Stan Kroenke move? Stan Kroenke, of course, owns both the Rams and the Arsenal. I was too bored by it to even think that many layers deep. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of boring again, the January transfer window came and went since our last episode. A lot of moves, but nothing particularly headline grabbing. Uh, Rory Smith wrote in the Times that, quote, the Premier League has finally managed to shake its reflex reaction to spin its way out of any problem, to break free of its shopaholism, to overcome its addiction to the short term high of a lavish transfer. Basically, his, his article in the Times was suggesting that uh, English clubs have kind of smartened up and aren't just going to throw money around. They know that they're being kind of swindled sometimes by uh, teams on the continent who know that English teams will, play, will in the past pay a premium uh, more so than other countries. And so people are being a little bit more savvy, I guess, or tightening their budgets a little bit. And, and I guess the January transfer window, this particular one was sort of evidence of that in that uh, there was no huge Van Dyke or even Mares type of move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's definitely not one of... There were nothing that... There were there were no moves that felt like... Felt obviously like panic buys, I guess. Right. All right, well, let's just go over quickly some of my favorite moves or some of the notable moves. Mm -hmm. Michi Bashoi, Banter King, is on loan to Chelsea... Uh, I'm sorry, on loan from Chelsea to Crystal Palace. Since 2016, he has played for Chelsea, Dortmund, Valencia, now Crystal Palace. And scores wherever he goes. So, I mean, like, I, I, I like this move. It's also for, for Crystal Palace, they've been struggling to find goals despite being kind of a tricky proposition for better teams. So, I mean, you know, I, I like it for a mid-table move. Yeah, I mean, you saw him come on on the weekend and he instantly made an impact. Yeah. Probably be, I would think, a super sub. But, you know, him and Benteke's back, so 
uh, we might see them together at some point. The big move, the biggest move in the Premier League, probably the one that got the most attention uh, beyond Gonzalo Higain, which happened before a little bit before the deadline, was Miguel Almiron to Newcastle. That Newcastle finally spent some money. They broke their transfer record, which was 14 years old or something. <laughs> it was the Michael <laughs> Owen deal was their biggest transfer since uh, the Almiron move. Of course, we know him from MLS and Atlanta United. Uh, Ryan O'Hanlon, our dearly departed, uh, said in his newsletter that Almiron has the lanky efficiency of motion that you typically see in a no-nonsense holding midfielder, but he's actually an attacking midfielder who ran the show for a team that played on hyperspeed field turf and loved to get out and run. Question, Micah, do you think this is potentially the beginning of a new trend? I saw something that Tim Vickery wrote or actually said in an interview about how a lot of eyes will be on this move because there are a lot of South Americans, young South Americans in MLS. And uh, this could be like a new market because they only paid, I mean, although 20 million is a lot, if he was coming from, say, Spain, he'd probably be like 45 million, right? Sure. Uh, there's guys like Luciano Acosta for DC United, who's Argentinian, around the same age, I guess, 24, 25, that teams are looking at. Uh, I, I think it's something like where how, you know, Jaden Sancho went from England to Germany, thrived, and now all these German clubs are looking for young English talent on the books of these big English clubs. Like, for example, uh, the kid from Arsenal, uh, what's his name? Emil Smith-Rowe just went to Leipzig on loan. Uh, Rice Nelson went last year. So if Almiron thrives, perhaps you might see more MLS guys uh, being poached by Premier League clubs? I mean, sure. Uh, it was, I believe, in December that uh, basically MLS commissioner Don Garber finally accepted that the MLS needed to become a selling league. And Atlanta United, I mean, like you've seen it everywhere. I mean, like the like all of the people that you've mentioned thus far, I mean, like Jaden Sancho, Emil Smith-Rowe, like teams... Uh, basically signing younger players that are relative unknowns that then become knowns and eventually, hopefully, superstars that you can sell on for tens of millions of dollars. So Atlanta United went and plucked up a bunch of uh, younger South American players and they have proven themselves and are now moving on. So, I mean, like, and that basically is a good way to recycle and replenish the talent. And and then still get the injection of cash when you sell those players on. So yeah, maybe it is a trend. Maybe the MLS is this is a good thing. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. One other MLS move to report is Sebastian Giovinco from Toronto FC to Saudi Arabian side Al Halal. I don't know if that's a upgrade for him. Uh, back to the Premier League. Crouchy back. Peter Crouch, age 38, is at Burnley. He also came on as a sub over the weekend. Peter Crouch, indomitable, irrepressible. You know, it's, he's he is extremely seven feet tall. You know, it's <laughs> it's great. It's, also, a podcast host <laughs> and a good Twitter follow, actually. Um, he, yeah, he, he has a great sense of humor. Yeah. Everybody loves Crouchy. Yeah. Let's see, Frankie De Jong to Barcelona, seventy-five million euros. He's going to finish the season with Ajax and then join Barcelona next year, which is football hipsters wet dreams to see him for Barcelona. How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I think, think PSG was in the running. City were in the running. Everybody was in the running because Everybody he, was in the running. I mean, like, he plays uh, like up the center of the park like a winger. I don't know. It's very strange. You, I mean, you can go back if you were listening to this and reread Ryan O'Hanlon. Uh, may you rest in peace. <laughs> his, his blog post about Frank and Young from 
earlier in the season where it's just kind of like it's exciting to see him when it's kind of he plays like he thinks you can see him thinking out loud as the game opens up in front of him. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to pick this up and just run through this gap and clo- and collapse the dis- distance between the defense and the attack by myself. Um, it's I think that with uh, Barcelona's he, 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 core, could, he could be a Busquets. I mean, yeah, with replacement. their with, with their with basically, I mean, Iniesta having already moved on, and then Busquets and Rakitic kind of getting up there, uh, as it were. It, it's a good. It's a good way to replace or to begin to rebuild that core. I guess. Let's do some quick China news. Your faith, Marijuan Fellaini, officially off to China. Two hundred and thirty-five thousand pounds per week, reportedly he's making. Damn. Uh, l- listen, I think <laughs> I've. I am happy. Get. I am one of those people that has that. I mean, like when he was. Uh, United's panic buy uh, to start off the post Sir Alex the Mo- Ferguson the era, revolution. Yeah, the, the Moyes revolution. Uh, you know, I was also one of those people that was is he, is he up the standard of United and this that and the other thing. But he came to basically, I guess, like he he found he found his role. I mean, like he knew why he was good and and did his job. So I'm thankful to him, but also great to see him off because it kind of marks a a point where the fortunes are kind of changing for United. So at Fellaini's height, whether at Everton or United, didn't fans wear like Fellaini wigs to matches? Um, I I don't specifically recall that, but I'm sure it's a thing that happened. I ask because I just saw on Reddit that the official Dortmund team shop is now selling Axel Witzel Afro wigs. And I was wondering if you found that problematic. I, I find it weird. I don't, I don't know if it's... Um, <laughs> Would you ever don a wig in support of your favorite football player? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you already got the Ryan Babel cut, just the wrong color. You haven't seen a, a, a recent enough picture of me. My hair is not dyed right now, but will oh. be in the new in the near future. So, more China news: Marek Hamšík from Napoli to Dylan Yifang. Seemed like he had been in Napoli forever. And China news the other way: John Obi Mikel, last seen in China, moved on to Middlesbrough who are currently fifth place in the championship. I can't believe he's only 31 years old. John Obi Mikel, or John Mikel Obi, yeah. alternately known as? Yes. Uh, John Obi Mikel, yes. John Obi Mikel, John Mikel Obi. I think that probably commentators have switched that around enough times that I legitimately cannot tell which one it is. Remember when uh, John Obi Mikel was supposed to be a United player and ended up a Chelsea player? Can we move on to the next news item, please? Thank you. <laughs> All right. The last one I have here of note is 20-year-old center back Leonardo Balerde from Boca Juniors to Dortmund for 15 million euros. Now, the only reason this caught my eye, three reasons. It's a center back. Actually, two reasons. It's, it's a tw- Well, three reasons. He's 20 years old. He's a center back and he's going to Dortmund for 15 million euros. I guess that's four reasons. Uh, he only debuted for Boca Juniors this past August. Essentially, what it means is Balerde is going to be resold for like $65 million in three years. And the other thing that I thought of is there's fucking young setterbacks out there. Why aren't Arsenal buying them? 
I, I really know nothing about polarity, but so this was just, just another opportunity for you to complain about other people that have enough milk for their cereal. Got it. <laughs> yeah, essentially. All right, let's move on to the Premier League and what happened. Actually, there was two match days uh, since we last had an episode. There's only 13 matches left. Getting closer to squeaky bum time. The last match we saw were was Liverpool and West Ham drawing 1-1. West Ham really should have won. That's the second 1-1 draw in a row uh, for Liverpool, who are still at top of the table, three points ahead of Manchester City. Uh, I think Andrew Robertson, Liverpool's left back, has called this, quote-unquote, a wee blip in their season. <laughs> All the talk now with the punditry is that Liverpool are going to choke this away. Uh, what did you make of the West Ham match? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it was just another performance in which Liverpool sort of just lacked conviction. They didn't seem like the best team in the league uh, for stretches in the game. I, I think that's just like, you know, it's the nerves of down the stretch. You haven't won the Premier League in however long. I can't recall right. the, the specific amount of time right now. Cue the Gerard Slip video. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's, yeah, the fear is as close as, the closer you get to the end of the season. I mean, the more it's possible to slip up. But, I mean, the fact of it is, is that Liverpool have still only lost once in the league this season. So, right. uh, did you see... West Ham manager Manuel Pellegrini, his comments after the game. Oh, yeah. Excellent, excellent hater shit. Excellent hater shit. He said, Klopp is used to winning with offsides goals. He beat me against Malaga with a goal seven meters offside. He had it to the meter. So he cannot complain about anything. The thing is that, like, uh, wasn't later in the game Malaga also scored their second, like, on an off on a clear offside? Yeah, I encourage everybody to go on YouTube <laughs> and seek out highlights of the second leg of the 2013 Champions League quarterfinal between Dortmund and Malaga. It was a crazy, bonkers game. Dortmund's last goal in injury time was a shade offside, but Malaga's second goal was also offside. So, karmic. You know. Anyway, for Liverpool, one of the big problems, or one of the things that people are talking about now, is how their injuries are piling up. Their defense is kind of makeshift now. They had Milner at right back against West Ham. Uh, Alexander Arnold's out. Gomez is out. Lovren is out. No Hendo. No Wijnaldum. Only one clean sheet in the last seven games. Uh, Bournemouth is coming to Anfield on Saturday, but they have this schedule now where City game. I think for every fixture for the rest of the season, with the exception of one. Somebody fact-check me on this. Uh, City's game precedes Liverpool's game. So in other words, Liverpool will know the result of the City match before taking the field, which puts perhaps more pressure on them. I mean, do you think that, do you think that that will have an effect on them? I mean, sure. Knowing I mean, that, like, you know, what City has done and having to kind of respond or... Everything, I mean, like everything you would think... <laughs> on some level has an effect. I mean, like, if you hear footsteps, you're going to turn your head. Like, uh, I think that the the larger problem is just the defense just forgetting how to defend set pieces. Um, I think that that's wonder, probably something the they should address in the near future. <laughs> I wonder if the media also has some effect as well, consciously or unconsciously, because literally every question, I, I watched that post-match with Klopp, with Virgil van Dijk, Every question is basically like, with Andrew Robinson, are you feeling more pressure? <laughs> Do you feel like you're going to crack? Are you anxious? You know, like those types of questions. I feel like it's almost like uh, it feeds into it. Well, sure. I mean... Am um, I getting a little sports psycho psychologist for you? Yeah, you are. But like, I think that that's a... 
these are all standard questions for a team that is leading the league. Yeah, it's uneasy as the head that wears the crown, right? It's like being the top rapper in the game. Everybody's shooting at you and you have to learn how to lead. And they don't have that much experience or this particular squad being the hunted. Yeah, yeah. And so, they, I mean, but that's a skill that you can develop, I would imagine. Well, sure. I mean, like, yeah, yeah it, it, I think that it is a skill that you eventually develop. But, but I mean, like, if you th think about last season, if if it's not, you know, are you worried about so-and-so on your heels or whatever, it's then are you going for last season? It was, are you, is City going to win the quadruple? Is you know, can they beat this historic team? It's always something. Right. One player that stood out for West Ham for you in their midfield was Declan young, Rice. Declan Rice a more was Could be a more British name than that. It really can't be. But I, I mean, like, isn't it, he, it's actually Irish? Um, <laughs> or Correct. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, like he, Declan Rice was was absolute class in the game against Liverpool. I mean, like he had a midfielder in each pocket. I think it probably he stood out a little bit more, just on the on account of Naby Keita from Red Bull Leipzig still having not shown up for Liverpool. Uh, but yeah, Rice really. Won. I saw some saying that Keita had his best game. Well, yeah. Well, who was saying that? Because <laughs> probably a Liverpool fan. Yeah, most likely a Liverpool fan. But 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 uh, Declan Rice won eight tackles, six more than the closest teammate, twice as many as any other player on the pitch. Only had one foul and two interceptions. So yeah, yeah great showing from Declan Rice. I just read that he recently signed a new six-year deal that puts him at thirty thousand pounds per week. So only two hundred thousand less than Fellaini's making. <laughs> he was at only 3,000 pounds per week. I'm laughing. I mean, that's still a lot of money, but uh, $3,000 a week would, would, would change my life. I don't know about yeah. you. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, we were joking, British, Irish, whatever. He is Irish. He was, you know, by blood and has turned out for the Ireland national team, I think three caps, friendlies. But he still is being wooed by England and could, you know, FIFA allows you one switch if you haven't played a competitive match. So... There is some talk about him potentially turning out for the three lions. Oh, sorry. Was I supposed to add something to that? Yeah. I mean, like no, there is there there has been some talk about it though, particularly I, I hate to be on the side of 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 Sam Allardyce. <laughs> but uh he has also been kind of vocal in the press about uh England wooing him away from the Irish national team. And he would be good up the middle because he's something that the English national team are sort of lacking at the moment. I saw a comment saying that Declan Rice is the player that Tottenham fans think Eric Dyer is, which I thought was a good summation. <laughs> All right, let's quickly go through the rest with City dispatching Arsenal with ease. They barely got out of second gear. Uh, a three to one was the final. Aguero's 10th hat trick. People were calling it a hand trick because he had uh, his third goal was allegedly or it looked like it came off his hand. I saw some replays where it, it looked like it came off his chest, not his hand. Uh, but, you know, what can you say about Aguero? I mean, you can say that he just is... Uh, the thing about it, like Sergio Aguero is that, number one, he was already amazing before Guardiola showed up and has somehow improved. Uh, and also, he just... You can just set your watch by his six... His, you know, inside the six yard box finishes. Like they're 
he's just clinical. What else can you yeah. say about it? I, I feel three like goals if it wasn't against for, Arsenal, collective distance of 10 yards. Yeah. I, I don't think that, you know, like if sure, fine. If, if his third came off of his hand, it didn't, it didn't. I'm an I Arsenal mean, fan and I looked at it again. It didn't. Yeah. I just feel like if we're, if we're going to, if we're going to relitigate like, uh, those, any one of you know, like any one play that Sergio Aguero had. I mean, like he could have easily scored four or five. It felt like. Yeah. And the other thing about Aguero is he turns out against top opposition. You often hear about players called flat track bullies who kind of, you know, get meaningless goals. Aguero has scored 40 goals in the 62 Premier League games he's played against Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, and Tottenham. So he shows up big. I, I heard some people talking about how Aguero isn't more famous or more celebrated because he is kind of an enigma or people don't really know much about him. Like his personality and like it didn't even come through in the All or Nothing documentary. Uh, I mean, you basically only learned that he liked watching mafia movies and uh, didn't like to watch horror movies because he usually watches movies alone. Yeah, I know one thing about him. He likes to go to concerts. Oh, that's nice. What? what Remember, it, he went to like the Enrique Iglesias concert, oh. and then he also went to Amsterdam to watch Maluma, which is a a group of some sort. So he likes live music. He likes mafia movies. He Sergio Aguero, his, he's just like us, you know. <laughs> he likes coloring his hair. All right, let's move on to Spurs real quick. Everyone says we don't talk enough about Spurs, and re- reminder: Kevin Clark of the Ringer will be coming on to talk Spurs at some point in the near future. Should we be calling it the Son Hung Min team now? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is the Son Hung Min team now. That's he's. He, what is it? He's been involved in fourteen goals in his last ten appearances in all competitions for Spurs. Nine goals, five assists, and is the only player in England whose goal scoring contribution, which is a com- combination of non penalty goals and assists per ninety, is over one. Basically, just a scoring machine. Just kind of uh, Tottenham's Deus, Deus Ex Machina. I mean, coming on at the, I mean, well, getting that goal at the end of the Newcastle game when they were kind of struggling to break down uh, Rafa Benitez's well organized defense, you know, like as anyone would. Um, yeah, it, it, it's got a kid's a star. <laughs> the, you know, Pochettino compared him to a battery. And one thing I do like about watching him play is how direct he is. He's always just running forward and like uh, putting defenders under pressure. And just as, even though obviously he's on Spurs, it's just as a fan, you just like seeing players do that, like driving action. Oh yeah, he's definitely like a, he is in a side that's missing it um, with all of the injuries that they have, he's a dynamic player. He's he he adds the the crucial element of dynamism to the team. And yeah, he is always running at people. I mean, like he plays with such confidence. It's great to watch. Yeah, and it's interesting without Kane because sometimes with Kane, uh, I hear Spurs fans talking. Sometimes they get frustrated with him, uh, potentially being a little wasteful or or not finding Kane with the final pass. Uh, but now that, you know, they're relying on him to score uh, in Kane's absence and Deli Ali's absence, yeah, he's really stepping up. All right, finally, speaking of stepping up, Gonzalo Higuain, two goals against Huddersfield. 
Is that a false positive because it's against Huddersfield? Hey, you. It's important to get it out of the way against somebody. It had to happen. He needs. To, yeah. He needed to score in the Premier League and get it out of his head. Yeah, I watched the match though, and I have to say that as much as I like to slate Chelsea in general and Higuain for being kind of chubby uh, <laughs> and looking out of shape, he's just a number nine. Like he knows where to go. His runs, his off-the-ball movement is just really, really good. And his finishing was clinical. Uh, I mean, he had other chances, I guess, that he missed. But um, the two goals he scored were just, like, great. One inside the box, one outside the box. You know, I mean, he's like a professional. He's a he's like an, a world-class goal scorer. I mean, I guess that's all you can say, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, definitely. You, what? What were you about to say? I was going to say, who do you think has more goals at the end of the year? Higuain or Michi Batshuayi? <laughs> Chelsea could have pulled back from loan, I guess. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say in the Premier League matches thing only. and say Michi Batshuayi. Wow! Clip that audio. Micah Peters said Michi Batshuayi will outscore Gonzalo Higuain in Premier League matches uh, for the rest of the season. I don't and know why you say it, clip that audio like it means something because you still Higuain's haven't eaten. The, you still the have not eaten the cleat. Let us. <laughs> it, the, the date is February fifth. We are well past July, <laughs> and Donny Kwok has still not eaten the cleat. Chelsea have City next at the Etihad on Sunday, so I'm sure their up and down season will continue. And City actually are playing tomorrow, I believe, at Goodison Park versus Everton. Uh, just to close this section, I should mention that, Micah, I had a tweet on Saturday during the Wolves-Everton match, uh, which Wolves won 3-1. to one. It was just a screen capture of the black cat running across the pitch. It was my most liked tweet I've ever tweeted in the history of my Twitter account. Are you proud of me? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm. it's baby's first viral moment, you know? Yeah, 2,000 plus likes. Shout out Nicole Bay from The Ringer for also retweeting it on The Ringer account. Of course, I got the Twitter DMCA notice shortly thereafter. Uh, <laughs> haters, NBC Sports, I'm sure. Michael, what's your most viral tweet you've ever done? Uh, probably the one where I was shaving the Celtics for for trading away Isaiah Thomas after he played two days after his sister died. He played in the 2016 playoffs for their team, and then he got traded that summer. I think that there was somebody that was burning his jersey, and I said that, and I just pointed that out. <laughs> I think that's my most liked and retweeted tweet ever. Nice. On that note, we'll take a break here and come back to talk about the rest of the world and the Champions League. Hey, listeners, quick break to talk about Hotel Tonight. This winter is a great time to check out Hotel Tonight. Whether you want to take a spontaneous ski trip, we all do those, or escape to a warm beach, Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book a room with one of their last-minute deals. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible rates. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell rooms and pass the savings along to you. And... These aren't last resort type places. Hotel Tonight works with cool top rated hotels you actually want to stay at. Unlike other travel companies, you don't have to scroll through endless list of hotels either. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at great hotels along with short profiles that have pictures and all the info you need. Even though their name is Hotel Tonight, 
They're not just for last-minute bookings. You can play things by ear or use Hotel Tonight to book in advance. And when you join Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. To start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. And we're back. Let's do some quick world news. Micah, did you watch the Asian Cup final? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> to be fair, it was on at 6 a.m. your time, I believe, last Friday. You should read on the ringer.com. Great site. Shakar Saman, uh, sometime guest on Ringer FC, wrote about the Qatar national team. Actually, for the record, is it Qatar? Qatar? I keep hearing different pronunciations. We're going to have to get that right by 2022. Yeah. Micah, how do you say it? Uh, I- I have said it both ways, but I think I might say Cutter more. Yeah, this is more fodder for the people who criticize our pronunciations on Twitter. So sorry, uh, pronunciation police. Anyway, Cutter, I'll say Cutter, one, three to one. You saw the goals though, right? Yes, I did see the goals. <laughs> it was, it was um, yes, I did see the goals. Yeah, it was quite an amazing performance, I would say. Three to one over Japan, I should say. And uh, Qatar, of course, is hosting the World Cup in 2022. But if you read uh, Shocker's story, it goes into a lot about the politics, uh, of course, the migrant labor situation in Qatar and and sort of uh, the political context uh, for this sporting triumph. So I recommend you read it. We mentioned at the top of the show, the hottest American in Europe, not Christian Pulisic, not Weston McKinney, Timothy Weah on loan to Celtic from PSG. And for the Scottish table leaders, he has three goals and one assist and only five appearances and only starting one game. So he's like a super sub. Micah, uh, did you watch the highlights of Timothy Way on Sunday? I, uh, I appreciate that you specified the highlights knowing that I would not watch a full Scottish <laughs> Premier League game. But uh, yes, it's honestly, fun fact, he came on... Uh, Celtic played St. Johnstone twice uh, in the same week. At midweek, he came on in the 74th minute. Um, Wait, can I just Celtic interrupt already... you for one second real quick? Yeah. When I was looking over his stats and highlights, it does, it, does it make sense to you that they played the same team twice in five days? And I it was honestly... Both, they were both league games? They, I, it wasn't like a cup and a league game. I can't say that that makes any sense to me now. Okay, anyway, sorry, continue. Uh, right. <laughs> St. Johnstone, uh, he was subbed on the 74th minute in that midweek game. The game was already 2-0. to zero. Um, When he subbed on in the 74th minute again at the weekend, uh, he notched that assist five minutes later and scored 11 minutes later. So, score and assist inside the space of just over 10 minutes. Uh, super sub, I think we can safely say. See, have you watched any of the USMNT's recent friendlies? Uh, some, like, ha- not... I have not watched a complete friendly, no, but I have been able to catch some parts of the recent uh, fixtures, yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that, you know, I'm not, haven't been following the USMNT that closely, actually, but I've noticed a lot of names I don't recognize, and I guess Greg Berhalter has been kind of leaning on some new faces, so that's interesting. And then with Timothy Way has come up, USMNT might be looking up. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it's also, I should specify that, like, of the the games that I've watched, they have, like, they've actually been enjoyable. Uh, They've, 
I mean, they've been playing rather positively. And I mean, like new coach Greg Berhalter said that he wanted the state, the USMNT to be much more aggressive, quote unquote. So I think that the future is actually bright. Yeah. Do you think Tim Weah will stay in Scotland over past, I guess, this season? I I got to say <laughs> that I don't think that he should, but, you know, I, I then again, I didn't think that the, the loan move to Celtic made a whole lot of sense to begin with, and what do I know? I, th- I think that what I said exactly was that's a very DeMarcus Beasley course of action to take. Yeah. Um, but he might not go the way of Beasley. Who knows? Are you dissing Demarcus Beasley? No, I'm not. I'm not necessarily. USMNT great. USMNT <laughs> great. Um, anyway, I heard Timothy Way is already a fan favorite in Scotland. So long may that continue. Brendan Rogers, take care of our boy. All right, there's two El Clasicos coming up. Or actually, there's like a bunch of El Clasicos coming up. But Barcelona, Real Madrid are playing. I believe the Copa del Rey semifinal first leg on Thursday of this week. Uh, Barcelona has won that trophy four years in a row. But more importantly, Real Madrid-related, we're going to get more into Real Madrid in a bit when we talk about the Champions League, but did you see that Sergio Ramos is getting his own all-access Amazon Prime docuseries? Wait, what? (laughs) Sergio Sergio Ramos had a little video teaser on his Twitter account where he said, basically over a minute, with footage sprinkled in that I'm getting my own docuseries on Amazon Prime. I would like 15 minutes on uh, the fedora that he that he was wearing in the, what was that game that he was sitting out late in the Champions League last season? I think it was during the semifinals. Maybe I want I want 15 minutes on that and then I want an entire episode dedicated to... Uh, Taking down Mohamed Salah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this will either be, this will be... I hate watch. This will be probably the like 95% best thing I have. I, this will be the best sports docuseries ever. I'm, I'm calling <laughs> it now. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we were going to preview the return of the Champions League. Yes, finally, the Champions League is back next week on Tuesday. Roma, Porto, Manchester United, PSG. Then the following day, Wednesday, Tottenham, Dortmund, and Ajax, Real Madrid. To preview these matches, we are bringing in football expert Nico Morales live from Orlando. What's up, Nico? Uh, What's up, guys? How you doing? We are doing swell. So, we have four Champions League matches next week. We're going to go in order of interest, I guess, uh, for the casual fan. So, at the top of that list, of course, would be Manchester United versus PSG. First of all, we should wish a happy birthday to Neymar, who turns 27 today. I don't know if you guys saw, but Neymar had this star-studded birthday party in Paris over the weekend on Sunday. And at that birthday party, he made a speech. And he said, tragically, quote, what I wanted the most as a birthday present today is a new metatarsal. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. (laughs) So, So I could be on the field fighting and doing what I love the most which is playing soccer. So sad. So, of course, Neymar For is the, the big story here. For the fifth year in a absent. row, he will not be missing his sister's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, has an ankle injury and, of course, a fractured metatarsal. Uh, so Neymar's absence is kind of the big story uh, headed into this tie. Wouldn't you say, Nico? Yeah, 100%. I mean, he is a massive part of any team that he's on or ever has been on. 
Um, but especially in this Tuchel system that sort of uses him as a free-floating number 10 in the middle of the system, and he's just been incredible this year. So for him to go out at this stage in the year is just, it's, it's really unfortunate, I think, for PSG. Also, you'll just never, you just are going to be robbed of getting to see Neymar run at Phil Jones. That would... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the play, that's the United player everybody likes to pick out. I think that was just the number one thing as soon as the draw came about was, I can't wait to see Neymar just sauce Phil Jones. And now we get, <laughs> we're robbed of that, which is just really unfortunate. Oh, man. So without Neymar, PSG recently lost its first match of the season, right, against Lyon last weekend. Um, yep. Are there other other sort of bigger issues of affecting the team beyond his absence that might have people uh, questioning their, you know, the strength of their Champions League campaign? I mean, take your pick. They have to play, or Tuchel has been electing to play. Marquinhos, who is traditionally a, a center back in midfield, um, you know, they basically have no midfielders. Adrian Rabiot. Wait, didn't I see Danny wild. Alves in midfield once? Didn't he play Danny yeah, Alves in you midfield? See that? I mean, he, this last weekend against um, Leon, he was also playing wing and like this weird hybrid position because they do a lot of weird stuff uh, there. So there's that as well. I mean, Adrian Rabiot, who for all intents and purposes was doing really well in the midfield, is now just frozen out because of his attitude. So they do have a lot of issues, but, you know, I still have faith. In, in PSG for this tie. And, wh- and why would you say that? Just because of their opponent well, or? It's partially because of Manchester United, but I'm going to try to galaxy brain here for a second. And <laughs> <laughs> as I was, as I was watching PSG, uh, you know, the last couple matches, the thing about Neymar, and I wrote this uh, for the athletic earlier this season was that they're, they, the system compensates for him, you know, ever since his days at Barcelona, when they won the treble, that's sort of around the time where he stopped contributing defensively. And in today's sort of tactical climate, every single player really has to contribute to like a counter-pressing action if you're going to be a team that has a ton of the ball, right? And so Tuchel has tried to bridge that, bridge that problem, the Neymar problem, because he is like legitimately one of the best attacking players in both goal scoring and chance creation since Messi and Ronaldo. He like rivals their numbers pretty well. Um, and he's sort of tried to build around that by creating a system where it doesn't affect them that much defensively if he's doing what he normally does off the ball, which isn't that much. Um, but I would say because he's out, it actually makes them a little bit more solid because everybody's counter-pressing. It's a more holistic system. It's not like they have bad players outside of him from an attacking perspective. You know, there's still Cavani, I don't know if you guys have heard of Mbappe, but he's pretty good too. Um, <laughs> Di Maria, <laughs> Julian Draxler, Julian Draxler, and Di Maria, exactly. Um, so they do have a, like a really talented team and a really talented coach who's able to kind of pick apart a Manchester United that has been relatively lucky for the past couple weeks in terms of their results. So I, I think, in a, in a weird way, it might actually make them a little bit better for the Champions League, but. I could just be thinking about it too hard. I don't necessarily know that it's shots because uh, the performances against Leicester and Burnley, Burnley at the yeah against Leicester and Burnley have, were kind of uh, well were unconvincing. Uh, I Wait, mean, what, what Nico just said. Is, what Nico just said, though, we should point out is like the Neymar theory, like the Ewing theory. You heard it here much, first. Yeah, PSG much. are better without Neymar. <laughs> you heard it here first. The hottest take on Ringer. <laughs> is is a uh, L- the new signing, Leandro Paredes, 
going to play, you think? Um, maybe. But he's like a really weird one because, uh, you know, talking to a lot of different PSG fans, this was a really weird signing because they really needed like a Frankie Dijon, basically. They needed that player that could connect the defensive play to the front really well. And he was going to be like the final infinity stone in their European power gauntlet. And that was like my pitch for that article that I never wrote. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, Paredes is like an attacking mid, you know, he's very good, but he's more like Draxler and Di Maria than he is to someone that can actually replace Marquinhos, who has been very good in defensive midfield, but he's not ideal. And that's why PSG were going in so hard for Frankie. So it's just a weird buy. He could definitely play considering Neymar is not going to be fit. But again, it's just they already have Di Maria and Draxler who have been really, really good this season. So I don't see why they would um, sort of elect to, to go for him instead. Mike, on the United side, obviously everyone's talking about the Solskjaer revolution. Uh, it's a fragile revolution. <laughs> they haven't lost a match yet. <laughs> to me, I mean, people are, are now speculating, obviously, whether or not he can be the long-term successor, I guess, or lose the interim tag. I feel like if he gets past PSG, he's basically got it. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. that like It's as impossible to call as it was before we even got into this. Like when they were... <laughs> When they when when the win streak was just three, you know, like when the I mean when the unbeaten streak was just three, that it I don't know that it would necessarily be like he would be a shoe in after that, but I mean it would definitely not be something like a prospect that you could ignore uh, in the long term. Are you confident as a United fan uh, about how they'll do? I am never confident as a United fan. That's a, that's what kind of question is that? <laughs> But at the same time, the with the Burnley matches and the Leicester matches, I mean, like they have showed that they can get results out of playing poorly, like which is, I mean, a thing that was sorely lacking before Solskjaer showed up. So who knows? Honestly, I have hope, but I don't necessarily think that it's going to. I mean, like I can't. I don't feel confident about it. Okay, so Nico picks PSG. I pick PSG, Micah per usual, cowardly, not picking anybody. Who knows? <laughs> Let, let's, let's move on to the next one. I can't believe that you, <laughs> again, in the same <laughs> podcast, you're calling me a coward. <laughs> Eat the fucking cleat, Donnie. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next one. This is the hipster's favorite. Spurs, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Nico, you recently wrote an article, it's on Medium, about how Hugo Lloris is trash. Is that a good summation of it yeah that's that's pretty much the entire article i'm joking i'm joking it's just basically about hugo Lloris is kind of uh not one of these newfangled ball playing goalkeepers uh and for that reason he is kind of being you know out of style i guess is that fair to say yeah basically it just goes with the idea that i mean everybody knows that if you have a ball playing goalkeeper you can create a lot of different offensive chances from your own half, right? You can play out of pressure and that creates space on the opposite of the field. One thing that I think people were kind of overlooking about his play or maybe other goalkeepers that don't have that ability or are similar to Yuris in that respect um, is that it's also like a defensive worry at this point if you're not able to circulate the ball all over the field because teams know that if they can push back the ball in terms of when Spurs have the ball, if they can push it all the way back to the goalkeeper, 
Yurice isn't good with his feet. And the worst that they're going to do is that he's going to play it into a dangerous midfield position where he's going to play it out and they have possession. So looking at different video and stuff, it's kind of obvious to see that when Spurs try and recycle the ball, Yurice is like their weakest link. And I think a team like Dortmund could really exploit that. And teams have already done it in the Premier League. So, Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, I mean, I think people are really anticipating kind of um, high action, high octane matchup when these two teams were paired together. Uh, and uh, Michael, what do you think of, of this particular matchup? Um, like it's like we were saying. I think that this is probably well. When I was previewing the the last sixteen matches, I was just saying that this is probably going to be the best uh, offensive display uh, on offer. So I mean. In terms of, in terms of uh, like viewing value, like for a neutral, I think that this is going to be up there. Honestly, I think that this is going to be more exciting than the United PSG tie, even though we listed them in out of order. Do you have a pick? Uh, yeah, I think that Dortmund is going to actually pull away with this one. Nico, I might have to agree with Micah there. I think it depends on who controls the ball and like who tries to be that possession dominant team, but. I wouldn't put it past Dortmund to come away with this one, especially considering Spurs rely on Musa Sissoko to get them through a Champions League um, tie. <laughs> Although I do kind of run counter to the to the to the easy line that Sissoko has like only just now been good. Sissoko's always been kind of quietly nice. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's just you know it's been difficult to appreciate. Like he definitely has clear flaws, but he also has clear strength. So yeah. I think until the until the final third, team. he's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm picking BVB. Like there's a reason. There's a reason Didier Deschamps picked him a lot. It's just you yeah. know he has flaws. I'm also picking Dorman naturally, and I also think this could really be Jaden Sancho's. I mean, he's already had basically his coming out party all season, but this might be where his transfer fee escalates to like 150. All right. Ajax, Real Madrid. It's also, isn't it strange that Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar have shared the same birthday? Ronaldo is 34 today. Uh, Ajax, Real Madrid. It's a lot of, uh, I think the, the kind of sleeper pick or the popular pick is for Ajax to win this tie. Uh, what say you, Nico? It's definitely the sleeper pick. I think it's, it's really difficult. Um, I can see why people would say that. Real Madrid has had probably one of the weirdest years that Real Madrid is capable of having. Um, but with that being said, I, I still think Madrid are the heavy favorites just because of their player quality. And, you know, Ajax want to be a, a possession-dominant team. They want to dominate the ball. And if they do that against Madrid, a team who actually, like of all the things that are wrong with them this year, the thing that they do pretty well under Solari is press. And if they do that with Vinicius and, and Gareth Bale and all the new guys that have kind of been doing really well under Solari, then I think Ajax is, is kind of going to lose this one pretty heavily. Um, I hope not because Ajax is a really talented team. They're really fun to watch. Obviously, Frankie Dijon um, is there. But yeah, I, I, I don't know about the hipsters pick with this one. Dijon could be a Barcelona hero before even joining Barcelona. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. Let me double click on Vinic. Vinic. Vinicius. Wait, Vinicius. Vinicius Jr.? Damn, I'm slaughtering another pronunciation. You know, <laughs> I even Googled, you. I looked on YouTube how to pronounce it, and I still fucked it up. R.I.P. to our mentions. It's not, it's not Shus. It's Vinicius. 
No. I think I think if you really wanted to go all the way and be, I want to go all the way. It, there's yeah. I I think it's like Vinishu. Like you have Vinishu. to say it like that, but okay, I'm gonna say it like that. <laughs> I could be completely wrong, but it's fun to say it like that. <laughs> Let me just double click on Vinishu since clearly I know so much about him. The 18 year old Brazilian forward who j- joined Madrid in the, what last summer, right? He barely featured in the first half of the season, but he started the last eight games, scoring four goals. I read this quote from him. It's translated, but I just love this fucking quote. Quote, nothing scares me. I play for Real Madrid, the best club in the world. I don't fear anything. <laughs> he plays like that too. <laughs> so When I read that quote and then I heard Eden Hazard is going to, che- is going to Madrid next year, I was like, good, you're his backup. <laughs> anyway, Mike, have you been seeing any of, uh, I, I've been watching some of his highlights and, and he's pretty electric. I mean, yeah, I, it's again, has that quality of just like kind of thinking out loud on the ball and trying everything, uh, which is, I mean, like impressive for <laughs> just being a teenager playing for the most, one of the most storied clubs in world football and just doing whatever comes into your head is like, <laughs> I'd commend that. I think that that's amazing. And yeah, it's his highlights are exceedingly fun to watch when you can find some that don't have annoying ass music over them. I think he also has braces, which is endearing. Uh, he has braces and the and like the soldier boy out eyebrow slits and like the dual earrings. I I, I fuck <laughs> with the image heavily. It just reminds me of Cristiano Ronaldo at eighteen. Um, so I, I take it both of you guys are picking Madrid. Yeah, I'll yes, go with, yes. I'll go despite with Madrid, yeah. their bad home form and this being one of their weirder seasons. Yeah, I still think that Madrid is going to pull it out. <laughs> okay, me too, Madrid. Final matchup. This might actually be the real hipster favorite since nobody's really talking about it too much. It's uh, Roma versus Porto. Somebody take it away. somebody say something about this game (laughs) somebody say something about this tie that no one really cares about no um roma are interesting because over the past couple years i think they've been involved in some of the most like micah said one of like some of the more exciting ties because there's just so many goals scored obviously last year their liverpool tie was really exciting a couple years ago it was like a 4-4 with Bayer Leverkusen and then it went 3-2 in the return leg. So they just concede a lot and I can see that happening again this year because they have about as good an attack as one can have in, in Serie A, but they also have about as bad a defense as one can have in Serie A as well. So I think this one is just going to be another Roma classic where there's going to be like 12 goals across two games and they concede most of them. And Eden Jekyll scores like eight of them. Exactly. <laughs> Micah, do you have a thought on Roma Porto? No, AKA, I mean, like it's... The, the winner of this one is what everybody, who everybody wants <laughs> in the quarterfinals. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree with Nico on that count. I think that it's going to be a sloppier high-scoring affair uh, than, than Tottenham. Uh, Dortmund, but I expect it to be at least on the on, at the very least entertaining. So, do you guys will you guys make a pick on that one? Mm, I'm gonna go I'll, with Roma. I'll go with <laughs> I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Porto because they have some good players, and I think if they can keep it defensive against the leaky Roma, they they actually might get through. And and Oliver Torres is is really good, and I want him to succeed in all things he does. So there you go, Porto. <laughs> That's a good reason to choose them. Micah? 
Um, <laughs> I'm only going with Roma because I have not watched but maybe 15 minutes of Porto soccer all season. <laughs> I'm going with Roma just for Eden Dzeko. All right, so that wraps up. Very good reason. Very, very <laughs> good reason. Excellent I think reason. He's a very underrated player. So that wraps up our Champions League preview for next week's matches. Of course, there's more matches the following week, and we'll be back on the Wednesday uh, in two weeks uh, to recap those. Nico, maybe you can join us. Yeah, if you have me, I'd love to love to be back on. All right, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Micah. Of course. And we'll see you in two weeks and a day. Peace. Yes, we're back again to talk about Hotel Tonight, which makes it easy to book awesome hotels at amazing rates. There's sort of like a matchmaker between top-rated hotels with unsold rooms and people who want to book those rooms. And Hotel Tonight isn't just for last-minute bookings. You can book tonight, tomorrow, and beyond. It's perfect for planners, procrastinators, and everyone in between. Find sweet deals at cool hotels you'll actually want to stay at. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. 